Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plastics Podcast. Joining me, Jacob Burke, and my co-host, Blair Lacrosse. In England, the smaller teams are making the headlines. Brentford have a strong showing against Wolves, led by Ivan Tony. Aston Villa light up Everton with a crazy cameo from Leon Bailey. And Brighton continue their upward progress against Leicester, questionable calls or not. Elsewhere, the Champions League has begun. Bayern smash Barcelona and make a strong case for themselves as the best team on the continent. Madrid edge out Inter. PSG take on Lyon in Ligue 1. What to take away from the recent fixture results in Europe? But I kind of got my hands full with these babies. He's got oh, 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 they don't allow you to have bees in here. <laughs> Blue, how are you? I'm good, Jacob. How are you? I'm I'm fine. Yeah. Excellent. In the Premier League, they do let you have bees. They, I mean, they have to. Otherwise, there would just be 19 teams. Aren't Watford like the Hornets or something? No, they're moose. Are they moose? They're moose. Uh, okay. They're elk. They're, no, the Hornets are someone, someone, something different mascot for Watford. It's a moose or an elk. Shoot, you're right. It's Harry the Hornet. Why is there a moose on their logo? There's a moose on their badge. Yeah, I don't really know what that's about. Maybe that's where uh, hornets like to hang out. On on, on moose? Meese? On vacation, yeah. It's possible. That it's a, makes zero sense. Yeah. You know, mascots aren't as much of a thing in soccer as they are, say, in football. Yeah, they're not really emphasized as much. Or American football, I should say. Even like the NBA, like there's mascots, but they're not. Yeah, but you see, like like you see the mascots like on the sideline, egging on the players, yeah. and trying to annoy them. Yeah, even in like the footage, right? I mean, and I just don't see that. Yeah, they don't really. Arsenal had Gunnersaurus. Oh, that whole controversy. Yeah, then yeah. They, they executed him. I think I don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly, no, I think that was exactly what happened on the field. He was executed half-time. publicly. Yeah, yeah, for his crimes. I don't know what he did exactly, but wasn't great. It was really brutal. A lot of was, kids there uh, because Arsenal were short on the funds and they had uh, yeah cut where they could. They were paying them twenty bucks an hour cash. That's what they say. I don't know if they were really short on funds. <laughs> How's your week, Jacob? <sighs> so okay, I started running. When I say running, I meant I ran once. Yeah, and my legs now are very sore, and I realize that I am out of shape. Running is like uh, bowling, where you don't remember why you stopped doing it until you try it once. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I find bowling fun. I just get I get very frustrated when I don't immediately be successful at. Like if I don't yeah. bowl at three hundred, I'm mad. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm not enjoying the game. Yeah, like you go and like maybe you get a strike or two, and you're yeah. like, okay, that was cool. But like, I don't know if I really had fun doing that. You know, got my shoulders a little sore, and why are we lucking this giant ball around? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. And you got those big goofy shoes on. I'm liable to slip in those things. Yeah, what's the deal with those shoes? They don't they don't help me, obviously. You can look at my performances. <laughs> yeah. Running, that's a bad Running. idea. Don't do that. Have you been doing anything to take up your time, better your health? Um, or not? Not trying to better my health in any significant way, but I have been spending a lot of time at the movies this week, Jacob. I am a movie goer. 
I kind of stopped doing that during COVID, but you don't the say. movies are back, baby. Okay. They are. They're coming yeah. hot and heavy. Can you, because um, you have gone to, I think, three or four. Three movies. Yeah. Can you uh, tell the audience which ones? Yeah. So Wife of a Spy is a Japanese movie by uh, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Oh, okay. Then there was the cow card cow counter the cow cow the cow counter the cow crowder it's a one of those meditations you do to try to fall asleep the card counter card counter paul schrader movie yep uh and then finally we saw the green knight together as a house as an apartment and i don't remember who directed that bit of a lineup i think uh my favorite was the card counter of the three i think uh, the green knight being the most widely advertised movie of those three yeah, the yeah, it's weird because Paul Schrader is like a big director and he is of well renown, I guess. But that movie just kind of like slipped in out of nowhere, and they didn't really like advertise it very much. So I saw a bunch of angry reviews where people were like, "This movie has nothing to do with counting cards." <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's true, it doesn't. But like, does it not even like tangentially like mentions gambling? So okay, it does. I mean, it has a theme where like the guy does count cards, but it's not like the movie's based around him yeah. gambling. And yeah. like, that's the plot. It's just kind of a plot device. So it's, yeah. Did you ever see first flight? First flight. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, first, first man had Ryan Gosling and it was about the oh, yeah, moon yeah. missions. Yeah. 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 It, but it really wasn't about the moon missions. Yeah. It was about the astronauts dealing with all this shit around them. Yeah. And people were mad because I didn't get to see a rocket. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was kind of like a drama, I guess, more than it was like yeah. sci-fi or something. Yeah. Um, you'll notice, or that is, if you're watching us, you'll notice that we have a cool camera, and by a cool camera, I mean a phone <laughs> taped to a tripod. And if you can see it, we got a cool sign. Because every time we say where you can find us, I always forget what our handles are. Yeah, that's really convenient. Yeah, so uh, there's our sign in case you've forgotten what you're watching. And now you can see me and Blair and producer Maddie all live react to what we're saying and maybe furiously Google things we're not sure of. Uh, Blair, you're wearing an interesting tank top uh, from a maybe obscure team. Can you tell us what league that's from? Yeah, it's from the Big North Conference. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so uh i was a uh studying to be a semi-professional basketball player before i injured my knee yeah <laughs> can you, in the war and can you turn your chest for the game yeah it's it's uh, it's that it says alpina basketball on it i played basketball in high school and it's hot in new york still uh, in, in inside yeah. so i wear this tank top a lot we're gonna start wearing actual shirts at some point um it's just not anytime soon Shirt season's coming, though, and I can't wait for it. Alpina Wildcats, go Wildcats. Yeah, it's a Wildcat. Always a Wildcat, yeah. Um, We had a mascot, and it looked like the Wildcat was, like, it had rabies or something. (laughs) It was, like, it was a mean-looking Wildcat. It wasn't a friendly-looking Wildcat. Okay. Like a a feral Wildcat. Yeah. Okay. It was a Wildcat. I mean, it was, so... Like, you needed to get your shots if you got yeah. bit by this cat. Yeah, it was a big cat. Not a cool cat. All you cool cats and kittens. All right, enough of this. Let's actually start, let's talk about why we're here. We're going to cover Wolves 
facing Brentford first. Uh, Brentford were at Molyneux Stadium, and they secured a valuable away win, two to nothing, two nil. Blair, Ivan, Tony, and Mbuemo yes. are a fantastic duo up front. Yes, I think Tony got a goal and an assist, and Mbuemo got a goal, I believe. Yeah, so the assist was set up by Tony, and yeah, I mean, they just kind of formed like a really good counterattacking partnership. So like the way Watford are set up, they are like a pretty defensive formation, and then they're relying on their two strikers working together to spring the counter when Wolves were sort of out of shape in the when they were kind of transitioning from attack to defense. That sort of thing, you rely on your two strikers having like a pretty good working relationship, but also like they need to work very, very hard because they're doing a lot of running. And yeah, I mean, both of them did that. So that was kind of how they found success. And yeah, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from both of them. Yeah, they did really good with the chances they had. I know one of them was a penalty and that Tony converted successfully. Surprising when you look at his run-up that he scores as many as he does. I think I saw a figure somewhere where it was 15 in a row from the championship to here. Penalties? Yeah. Without missing? Without missing. He's 15 for 16, I believe. Pretty good. Yes. People, and when I say people, I mean critics abroad, don't think Tony's skills will translate to the Premier League as we get deeper into the season, but he had a... Uh, he was a leader in assists and goals in the championship. Do you personally rate him? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I like Ivan Tony. He's talked a lot of trash about Arsenal since they beat us, which okay. is, um, you know, every time I see it, I'm like, damn you, Tony. But <laughs> I, I can't blame him because they won. Fair is fair. But yeah, I do like him quite a bit. I think I would be very happy to see him wearing my club's shirt as a striker. I think he's a pretty big physical player. He's got pretty good skill in a variety of areas. I think he can hold it up all right. He obviously connects well with his second striker. So, you know, he can pick out a pass and he's a pretty, pretty solid finisher. I mean, he's only on, I think, two goals this season. But, you know, coming from the championship to the Premier League, your output. I think the conventional wisdom with some pretty big fluctuations in or like I said, big plus minus, is that like your output from the championship to the Premier League is sort of halved. So you're not going to see somebody with 30 goals and 17 assists uh, coming from the championship to the Premier League and repeating that sort of form. That would be absolutely insane. But yeah, I mean, I think he's shown that he can be a pretty high quality striker. What do you think? I agree. Uh, As someone who is loyally sticking to him in my fantasy team, I think that he just needs some time to really get into the groove of the Premier League, and you're going to see him uh, be clutch when he needs to be. I don't think that he's going to have a trajectory like some other championship teams where they start off hot because they're here to fight for a place, and they taper off because the intensity of the league is just too much for him. You saw that with Pookie. Uh, the Last, I mean, the last time Norwich were here, I think he's not done. Yeah, Alexander Mitrovic was sort of like that too with yeah. Fulham. And I think a similar accusation was levied against Patrick Bamford when they came up. There's a lot of questions about... I think he silenced the critics there. Yeah, exactly. I think, but there was a lot of questions like, is he, does he, is he a Premier League quality striker? Right. And 
he showed himself to be that. And obviously, I think every striker from a promoted side kind of gets that. Um, yeah. And it's just a matter of who answers the questions and who doesn't. Yep, for sure. And yeah, I think I think Tony certainly will do that. So yeah, on the day, Tony and Mwemu uh, teamed up for five of uh, Redford's eight shots and obviously had the goal and the assist, or both goals and, and an assist uh, from Tony. So Very valuable in their 5-3-2 they took to Wolves. Let's move down into their midfield for a second. Um, Christian Norgard plays as their defensive midfielder. Pretty good stuff from him at the game. Had a lot of valuable tackles. Pretty hard in his efforts. And I'm looking at their formation right now, and he's kind of central to the whole thing. I think if you go back and watch some of their plays, he starts most of the buildup with dispossessing a player with a quick pass to Baptiste or Cano, and then booming that down the line on their fast break. Yeah, exactly. He he really was like sort of the hub in the middle of their team for sure. He was really busy on the day. And yeah, his name was just constantly being called by the commentators. So yeah, I think he had a really great performance and certainly showed, uh, I think, you know, Brentford on the whole, but he uh, certainly showed maybe a Fred, how you can successfully cover the midfield against Wolves counterattack. Do you want to talk about Fred? Is that what you brought him? <laughs> I think we talked about him and then after I rewatched the highlights of that game, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Fred's like... He's looking, he's tripping. He's tripping <laughs> in the midfield. I don't know. He wasn't looking too good. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he played today. Okay. So, we're not going to talk about any of the big six today. So, um, we are talking about the big six, Jacob. We Brighton. Are. Bri- okay. Okay. Brighton's in the big That's six. That's true. That's true. We'll get to them. I guess Le- Leicester can be like kind of a, well, I mean, like for the future, right? Not right now. They're uh, 13th, the 12th. They're somewhere around there, but it's 12th, early, yeah. er, early days. Okay. So, Christian Norgard. Ivan Tony, who was the other guy we singled out? Jacob, the other guy that we singled out was Ayer. Uh yeah, I wanted to talk about him because uh, he he played fine uh, as a like a right sided center back, but he had some moments where he was just being the perfect the perfect uh, like bastard uh, towards the other team. Uh, it was just really aggravating and riling up the Wolves players and, you know, wasting time. The kind of guy that you uh, love if he's on your team and then you just absolutely despise if you're trying to come back from a deficit and he's busy just slowly. He's kind of like um, Rashid Wallace. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Just to, just, I don't want to call him names because he had a fantastic game, but he can, he can be a real bitch. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's useful when you uh, get in their head like that. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with Emmy Martinez in the penalty shootout. What, uh, a, what a beautiful little psychological tactic. Yeah. And it, it, I think it takes some, uh, some confidence because if, if you do that and they still get yeah. the, convert the penalty, it's really easy to be made the fool when you're, when you trash talk. And so, yeah, my my personal uh, approach to trash talk is to wait until things are absolutely clear. The win is still, is like there; it's in my hands, and then I then I go, yes, suck uh, it. <laughs> I only trash talk in Rocket League when I'm up ten. <laughs> yeah, like I if I if I trash talk and then it immediately blows up in my face, I just feel awful. So, yeah, uh, hats off to him. That's uh, takes a little bit of courage. 
Okay, enough of the Brentford praise. Let's talk about Wolves for a second before we move on. Zero shots on target. Zero. Not one. Nada. Yeah. I think everyone's saying this, and I made a tweet about it that got the most amount of likes I've ever had on my Twitter. Huge. I'm viral now, by the way. Everyone is. I'm, I'm getting sponsors. But Triore is just a great player. He is able to find space. He is able to dribble through the defense, and he's able to create situations where they really shouldn't be in the first place. We saw this several times against Brentford, where he would dribble through the lines, and he would find himself in a bit of space around the 18 or towards the end of the field. But then when he's there, he just loses any sense of what to do. And I, th- I think this has been a story more or less almost any time the Wolves have been on a good run of form. What, what are you supposed to do with Adama Traore? There's this saying in football. Um, American football. American football. Yeah. When you're punting the ball to the other team that you don't want to outkick your coverage basically means like you've got guys shrieking down the field at the guy who's receiving the ball from the other team and you don't want to kick it like beyond the distance that they're going to get to or like that they're going to run by the time it lands at the opponent's hands basically right because then they can have like a bunch of space make a move and potentially have a dangerous return this is my way of saying do you think Adama Traore outruns his teammates gets to the other side of the field and then realizes oh shit I have four opponents around me and no one has quite caught up with me yet it's just me man where is everyone he's on adama island i think he certainly has the speed to do that yeah and i can and sometimes yeah definitely he just runs away gets a bit of tunnel vision and he dot and away he goes he's off to the races yeah and no one can catch him and he uh, gets there, and then he looks around, and everyone's you know, 10, 15 yards behind him trying to catch up. But I think more often than not, there are players, but he either doesn't see them and goes for gold, or he'll cross it. And you made this remark at the game when we were watching it, and it goes way over everyone and off to the sidelines, and the play kind of just collapses, and it's a throw-in for the other team. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he's almost better at crossing when he's all the way out to, like, the touchline. Or, like, the more pressure he's under. Yeah. If, if, he, if he's got space and he tries to cross it, you're screwed. Yeah, it's going to go, like, a mile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, after you said that, it happened several times that just proved your point where, like, the minute he was about to go out, he crosses it, and it's, like, a perfect, like, inside the six. And yeah. Oh, man, that could have been something. But then when he's, like, out towards the middle of the final third, it just whizzes past everyone. Yeah, sometimes he needs, like, the sand wedge, but he's just always using the three wood. Mm, okay, yeah. No, I like this. Yeah. So, yeah, Traore is a really interesting attacking player with some really tremendous assets and some really glaring flaws. Who is Traore's caddy? Traore's caddy. I'm going to say it's going to be like a stack of 45-pound plates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he lists... I mean, no, he doesn't, right? He doesn't. He doesn't lift. Yeah, no, no. But, like, when he goes to go to bed, obviously he has to make his bed out of all these 45 plates. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's just like strategically placed weights around his house that he has to just move around so he can sit on the couch or whatever. Yeah, it's a natural way of life for him. Yeah. The man who is all natural. Yeah, so from Trincao, Traore, and Jimenez, they achieved four shots. Wolves are a very good team this year from what they've shown us. And I think their entire team is actually very strong. They just had, I just, I, they, I don't think they clicked this game. Uh, Ruben Neves is someone who I go back and forth on a lot with this sort of thing because he sometimes will just hit these crazy shots, but most of the time he tries to take them and he's missing them. And if you have zero shots on target and you've got a guy like Ruben trying to create something, I don't think that's what you want. I don't think you want to rely on these worldy goals to tie a game against a team like Brentford. Yeah, in my opinion, there's like nothing really more deflating to sort of um, some kind of attacking work that your team is doing than like a speculative long distance shot that just ends up in like the third row. Especially if you're trying to play this type of soccer that relies on creating things through the center or the side and you, in theory, should be trying to find that hole or trying to find that runner behind the team. And if you're doing these sorts of things, I think as a fan, it can be really frustrating to watch. Yeah, I I agree. I I think this might have been the first game where some of the, I don't know, criticism or... I don't know. The The numbers seem to more match up, I guess, with what the, the outcome of the game was for Wolves this time. You know, no shots on target. They didn't really achieve much uh, of a threat for goal. And, you know, zero goals seems more earned in this case than they've had in previous games. So I think this one might be a bit more of a worry uh, if you're a Wolves fan than their previous performances. And that leads me to a question, Jacob. Yeah, what's up? At what point do you start to worry that even though the underlying numbers look okay and you know there's the team's playing some interesting soccer the performances aren't leading to points at what point do you start to worry we're only five games in yeah yeah only five games in it's definitely early i don't think there's any reason to panic right now you know the season's just started one uh the wanderers the the wolves the wandering wolves don't have quite the schedule that some of these other teams have with uh, other games. Wait, hang on. Are Wolves in Europe? Are they in, are they in the Europa League? No, they're not. No. I don't think so. Okay. So, no, they, they don't have these other this other cup game to worry about. So, I think they're fine. I think, you know, I, I think if they continue playing the way they have been, they should average out to a mid-table or upper mid-table place. I don't think, and I, I think Adama Traore is still a good player. I sounded like I was bashing him. I still think he's a good player. No, he's, yeah, he's very good. Like, he would improve a lot of teams uh, yeah. in the Premier League. And, yeah, I think his skill set, it's not that he's bad a bad player. It's just that you need to sort of be able to find a way to work around his flaws. Uh, because if you can accentuate the positives in his game, you have a really, really useful player. So, okay, let's move on to Aston Villa Everton. Cash is into the penalty area. Matty Cash scores for Aston Villa. His first ever goal for the club. That was a not nearly enthusiastic enough for a guy named Matty Cash. Cash money. Matty Cash scored. No, it's. 
Matty Cash. Yeah, come on. He's done it. Come on, you got to get, you got to get your, you got to get the diaphragm into it. You know, you it's, gotta, it's yeah. too much vocal cord. It's all up here. You got to get it down in in the <coughs> in yeah. your, in your loins. Yeah, Aston. So, <laughs> uh, this game, Aston Villa beat Everton three to nothing, uh, in an electric second half. Yes, I think you can say that here, um, and I'll let you expound upon that. But uh, we were earlier; we were watching it, and it was very boring to me. I was not having a fun time. Can I just read the progression of feeling that we have down here in the dock? Yeah, where do we have that? Ooh, it looks like you might have gotten rid of it, but it said something like, "I want to go to sleep. This is boring." And then, oh, uh, Maddie Cash is a lot of fun. And then it was like three goals to nil, Aston Villa. Yeah, no. And then I said, uh, I it was Maddie Cash winky face, and then Aston oh, yeah. Villa are so exciting. Yes. Yeah, and then right before that, it was I'm falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a live uh, reaction, and how that changed as the game continued, and it happened. It seemed to happen all at once. Aston Villa, there was they just found that switch. They turned it on, and Everton were helpless at that point. Matty Cash got a goal. Leon Bailey had a nice cross that turned into an own goal. And then Leon Bailey had a goal. Leon Bailey is human electricity. Blair, you wrote this. Yes. Let's. Can you tell me why he's static shock? I really respect what Leon Bailey did here because he came on in the 61st minute of the game. They scored a goal five minutes later. He didn't really have anything to do with it. It was Matty Cash's goal, which was... Pretty sick cash money, but he scored. He scored a goal. <laughs> cash money in the seventy fifth minute. He had a cross into the box from a corner kick uh-huh. that Luca Dean headed unfortunately into his own net. If it was a Aston Villa player, it would have looked like a nice header. Uh, it was a very unfortunate header for Luca Dean. Uh, that came off of Bailey's foot. From there, the game was kind of wide open. Everton were down. And Leon Bailey on the break scored. What six minutes later in the seventy fifth minute. Yeah, from a very, well, you can talk about a very composed finish. Yeah, 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 for sure. He was on the left side of the box. He just kind of came in and, uh, yeah, ripped a finish. It was sort of one-on-one. I think there was a Villa defender, or I'm sorry, a Everton defender kind of tracking back, but he found all, all kinds of space and, yeah, finished quite clinically. So really excellent performance from what Bailey offered. In the 21 minutes he was on the field, the guy came, he did his job, and he was like, all right, I'm out. 21 minutes later. Saw Conquered art. I got to go get some food, guys. You got to respect it, man. It's like, yeah, I did I did my job. I got what I needed done today. So, yeah, I'm going to gonna go home, soak my feet, drink some wine. Play some Rocket League. Yeah. That's how everyone should live. So, yeah, really impressed with uh, Leon Bailey and his performance. Turning out to be a pretty good signing. Danny Ings and Leon Bailey, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. What do we say about Aston Villa? They're just some dudes on the field. Bunch of dudes, man. Just a bunch of dudes. Yeah, I really like their options, though. Like, they had Bertrand Traore that could bring off the bench. Leon Bailey came off the bench. I don't know. Did Bungia? Douglas Luiz. Great yeah. player. Yeah, Douglas Luiz. Um, I'm looking here, and he had a shot. Hang on. Let me prove I need vindication here. He had 27 accurate passes. Uh, that means nothing to me. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Matty Cash is great. John McGinn's a solid player. I think he was subbed off, though. Yeah, I think he had a concussion, actually. So, Oh, what? Unfortunate I for McGinn. I did not see that. I, think they, I thought I heard that in the match commentary that McGinn had confirmed a concussion. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm okay. misremembering that. Oh. But, yeah, subbed off in the 40th minute. 
So been unfortunate for him. He's you know one of their better players, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Yeah, and I think Aston Villa are have found this place at this point without Grealish um, because we have to talk about Grealish when we talk about Aston Villa, and they're, they they I think they've maintained an identity um, beyond a player. If you can think of some other team in Spain that has that same problem, <laughs> and they look really fun, and if they're not facing Liverpool, I always root for them. So, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, no, I only root for them when they play Liverpool, actually. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I think they'll do really well. Uh, I don't know where they sit on the table. If we can just bring that up really quickly. I've actually got it up. Oh, you've got it up? Yeah, because I thought I might circle back to this at the end. Okay. Aston Villa are 10th right now. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. What was that about? The cool zone. Oh, they're in the cool zone, baby. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think Brentford being at ninth is like that's cool zone. Brighton being at fourth, that's also cool zone. Villa being at tenth, that's that's probably cool zone. That's probably cool zone. Yeah, Leicester and Arsenal are not in cool zone. They're in one of the rings of hell at the moment. So, oh, Watford eleventh too. That's Who, cool zone. Who's in? Who's 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 last? Last place in Norwich City. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Okay, back to Aston Villa because we hadn't talked about Everton. I wanted to point out something here. Yeah, what's up? I don't know that we've talked much about Everton this year, no, nope. if at all. No, nope. and we kind of caught them at a bad time. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, is, is this a bad time? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Rafa Benitez. Yeah, so it's weird to see Rafa Benitez coach Everton because he used to coach Liverpool, and you don't often or never, I should say, I think, yeah. Uh, ever see a coach do Everton, the Everton and Liverpool route, a classic, not classic route that just, it doesn't happen because there's some history there, obviously. Additionally, they've got, or Richarlison, not there. They've got the drama surrounding James Rodriguez. Yep. That's, that's been ongoing. Pickford wasn't there. Pickford was out indeed. And Fabian Delph, shoulder injury, DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for those unaware of the DCL, not there as well. I think probably their most important player. Um, so, yeah, not they didn't um, they didn't come having their A squad, admittedly. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the 0.7 goals, expected goals they achieved on the day, the one shot on target of the 11 they took, you know, maybe that's kind of more down to the fact that they just didn't have most of their attacking threat on the field for the game. Michael Kane also had a pretty bad defensive game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. And they and it well, so for the first half, it was both teams trying to just feel each other out, right? But then when Aston Villa scored and Everton had to then open up, once they opened up, it, it wasn't like it wasn't they weren't dangerous anymore yeah. they were they they seemed so afraid to get caught that they never tried to really threaten Aston Villa and i think that might be the problem if they start to go down first uh, as the season continues and maybe that's maybe like you said that was a symptom of not having their a team there but i mean still you know if you look at it i mean villa's Three goals came in the course of nine minutes. Yeah. So it's kind of just like an explosion of scoring. And the second goal was the own goal, you know? So I think that's kind of a 
it's a big demoralizer for Everton to have that. And, you know, the first goal you go down, sometimes you see teams respond really well. They kind of, you know, pick up the energy, the movement, and, you know, they kind of have to come out of their shells a bit to obviously get back into the game. But, you know, three minutes later, after you concede your, your first goal, you yeah. kick it in your own net. You know, that's just like, uh, you know, it's a huge demoralizing moment. So, yeah, I think Villa did really well, though, to exploit that. It's the Villa boys. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the um, villains. The villains. Uh, I'm sure that's been used. I think so. I think that's kind of like a, a thing for them, right? Maybe. Is it? I don't know. What's what's Aston? Okay, what's Aston Villa's mascot? Well, there's a lion on the. You can't just say that. That's boring. Crest. Are we gonna make one up? No, I'm gonna ask you, and you're gonna give me a wild guess. Okay. Oh, hey, what's his name? Aslan. Well, it's Hercules the lion. Okay. I, I mean, honestly, you weren't far off. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, wait, hang on. Now, this is from an article from 2018. It, it's a it's a fan. So, no, it's his name. We can just call him Hercules, though. Um, but he doesn't look threatening at all. It's He's a very happy guy wearing an acorn shirt. Oh. He's pretty cute. That's a nice lion. Yeah. I like the female one of it. She's got bigger eyelashes. Where do you see that? Oh, the... the <laughs> Yeah, like the right. Lola Bunny line. How do we know if it's a girl? She's got the bigger eyelashes. There you go. <laughs> is that is that how you know? Okay. That's I don't That's know. That's how they do like uh, animated, animated figures. figures. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how do we make it? We'll make it pink. Though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So I don't want we we talked about not talking. We talked about not talking about XG too much on this podcast. Yeah. Because sometimes it doesn't mean that much, but. Aston Villa getting three goals from 1.3 XG is pretty good. Yeah, and it's kind of like, what was the game we talked about? The Newcastle United game, where the scoreline definitely did not really match what the expected goals showed. No. So, yeah, you know, it happens. What can you do? I think, unless Jacob, you have anything else to add, I think Everton might be a team we have to revisit at some point when they are in full power, full form. Let's move on. Let's keep going. Brighton, Leicester City. Today's match happened, and it was... Maddie. you watched most of this because you are a Leicester fan. You're a fox. You're a human, but you're also a fox. Uh, The Lamech Stadium is where Brighton play. What does the fox say? Here we go. Can you make a loud noise because you don't have a microphone? Can I turn the microphone to you? Oh, God, no. Come on. I don't know what a fox says. Isn't that the whole point of the song? Ding, 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 I don't have a microphone for a reason. It goes, ah! That's what I was looking for. Oh, sorry. The correct answer was, ah! You said, ah! I failed. Okay, anyway, Brighton, and everyone's memeing Brighton. Brighton are memeing themselves at this point. Yes. Because they are now returning to the positive XG difference. Duffy, bigger field for handball. Corner's been given. Wow. That was a very, very big shout for handball. Duffy's had it. And VAR will obviously take a look. Vestergaard knows it from his reaction. I think he knows his arm was up in an unnatural position. If you didn't watch the game, that was a clip from inside the Leicester box. And Vestergaard touched the ball with his body. You can touch the ball with your body as long as it's not unnatural. 
and you can touch the ball naturally as long as you don't do it in a way that looks like it was your arm. These are the rules of soccer, and these are the way we must play it by. Blair, can you take me through why this was a weird call and why maybe it wasn't a handball and maybe Brighton should have gotten a penalty and maybe they shouldn't have won 2-1 to one, and maybe <laughs> this was a travesty and the sport's dead? Yeah. Vestergaard goes up to make a play on the ball, and Neil Mopé has kind of got hold of one of his arms, right? And his other arm is free. And so that throws Vestergaard off balance. And so what you do is you use your other arm to sort of recenter your balance in the air. And by doing that, Shane Duffy, I believe, who heads the ball, hits it into his free hand that's kind of high up in the air. And that creates a situation where his hand touches the ball. Now, watching the replay... It looks like a lot of the shit happens before Vestergaard touches the ball in, I guess, interferes with the, the headed shot. And if that goes to a VAR check and you can kind of see these things that precede the moment where he hands the ball, I feel like it's kind of a harsh call. Are you saying that Vestergaard was fouled before he hits the ball with his hands? I don't know by the uh, letter of the law if it's a foul, but it's certainly like, I mean. It's it's not him just hitting the ball. It's him being roughhoused yeah. and by consequence of being roughhoused hitting the ball. I would call it like an incidental moment. I wouldn't say that that it was like, it wasn't like Vestergaard was using his hands to give him like upward momentum on the jump and then like one of them hit the ball. That would be a handball. Mm. It was like, He's in the air, he's starting off balance, he tries to recover, and he like swings his arm wildly and it hits the ball. So yeah, it was it was pretty rough for Vestergaard. Yeah. I I don't know about that call personally. Well, I'm sure the Twitter sphere will come to a reasonable and fair conclusion to all this. Yeah, the pitchforks aren't out yet. But anyway, the Brighton win two to one against Leicester uh, at the Lemex Stadium. Where Brighton play. So they won 2 1. Uh, Neil Mopay and Danny Welbeck, the old the boy, the old gunner, scoring to bring Brighton to fourth place on the table. Huge. The cool zone, baby. That's the cool zone if there ever was one for Brighton. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't mind them up there. Uh, I don't think they'll stay up there, but it's definitely a. A nice change of pace than last year. So for those of you who haven't been keeping up with everything, Brighton were playing they were playing soccer last year. You might uh, not have seen, but they in the last season they were playing games decently well and losing them. And their XG, this is the last time we're gonna talk about this, their XG was pretty good. They just weren't scoring the goals, so their XG was higher than their goals. Okay, but this time it's reversed and they're scoring goals. And because of that, they're in fourth place and everyone's so happy. Okay. Except. (laughs) Yeah. So in this case, it was to Maddie's chagrin, understandably. But yeah, they've scored seven goals and they've conceded four, which is a good way to win games. Pretty neato mosquito, if I say so. Yeah. So Brighton are an interesting club because they play like 
pretty fun soccer, I would say. They set up like in a, a, a three or like a five three two one or something like that. Um, like a three, yeah, three five two one. Three so, five two one. I mean, uh, nope, that doesn't match because that's more than a lot. Sorry, three four two <laughs> yeah, one. Three, yeah, three four two one. So like a three four three, really. Yeah, um, and yeah, they just play kind of like pretty quick, like one touch soccer. And uh, yeah, I've always sort of enjoyed watching uh, Brighton play, and kind of think that Graham Potter is a pretty good manager. This is sort of like the sort of short-lived dream run that Southampton had last year, where I think they were kind of just on the outside of the top four there early on in the season. a couple games there where they were top of the table. Yeah. And everyone was cheering them on. It was so fun. Yeah. And uh, it was Danny Ings that had, the, he had a great season. You know, definitely a great start for Brighton. Actually, uh, not just a great start, Jacob. Their best ever start in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Hats off to them. They are certainly, you know, doing the thing. Those Brighton boys are at it again. Oh, what we've got here in the dock, Jacob. Those, <laughs> those Brighton boys are at it again. Do we got a party sound effect? Or uh, like a yay. yay. I want to give a shout out to Adam Milana. It had a start and a full match for Brighton, and he's had a lot of injury struggles. So that's good from him. He had a decent game. Uh, and he's top four team right now, you know. No, and no one can take that away from you. Really can't. Um, yeah, Leonard Trussard, man of the match, IMO. Yeah, he had uh, an assist. He was dangerous on the ball. Let me bring up a couple of key stats he's got here. He managed two shots, had seven duels won. Six duels lost. Well, maybe not the man. I don't know. I don't know who the man of the match was, Jacob. But Danny Welbeck's headed headed goal was really good. Yeah, that's um, true. Nice accuracy from him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a ton to say about uh, Brighton, to be honest. They're playing well, well to I, start the season. Yeah, and I think good things. What's their next game, Blair? Can you bring that up? Such a weird so they play Swansea in the EFL Cup this week on oh. Wednesday. Oh, okay. And then after that, it is Crystal Palace. Ah, then they on Monday should expect 27th. to come away with a W there. Yeah, yeah. I I think they're they will be favored. It's on the road. Crystal Palace are mm, playing okay. some better soccer than they were to start the season. So you know, maybe a bit of a test, but. If Brighton never playing better right now. Palace sure. are a bit wishy washy. They could uh, they could pop off or they could be a dud. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, let's talk about Leicester, Jamie Vardy more specifically, because at some point, Jamie Vardy will not be playing for Leicester, and that's something that they are going to have to adjust and transition into. Now he had Leicester's only goal. His 150th in the Premier League. No, I'm sorry, for Leicester City. Total across all competitions. Uh, a, a, I, uh, I don't say this a lot because I think it's overused as a word, but he is a legend of the game because of where he came from, because of what he achieved there, and because he stayed at Leicester to continue to compete with them even when he could have gone elsewhere. And this is something that you don't see almost at all. And I think uh, it'll be a sad day when he has to hang up his boots and walk off. But Leicester are making steps 
to continue on without him. And they have signed Pat Sendaka as the future, the prince that was promised. And they didn't really look great. I don't think James Madison had a great game. Harvey Barnes, you said, was offside in both of the goals he managed to score, right? Yeah, so there were two goals called off by VAR for Leicester. Yeah. And in each case, yeah, Harvey Barnes is basically screening uh, Sanchez, who's Brighton's keeper, and... Oh, sorry, yep. That's a no-no. So, yeah, that was a bit of bad luck for Leicester. In the first instance, I believe, on, on the first one that was called back, I think it was kind of obvious that he was screening him, but on the second one, it was a little less so. And in the quotes after the game... Brennan Rodgers was a bit miffed by that. And even Graham Potter conceded that they had some luck go their way with the calls. So, you know, I mean, if you're a Leicester fan, maybe you're feeling a bit aggrieved at the moment. Maybe you're making certain facial expressions. Maybe you're flicking off the camera. As you produce a podcast. Understandable feelings as an Arsenal fan. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, they started out pretty flat. Yeah, James Madison, man. I don't know. I don't know. What's going on, James Madison? He was subbed off at yeah. halftime, I think. Yeah, he was. For yeah, Lookman, I think. He's in a bit of a slump. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I'm sure he'll... It'll, it'll buff out. It'll Talented buff player. Out. Mid-prime player. He's like 28, right? 27? 26. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that guy's got time. Uh, Yeah. No, he's that's so young, Blair. Blair, 26 is so... 24. Young. 24. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're so confident at 28 that I was like, all right, no, he's like 26. Sorry. Uh, he's 24. He, he looks older than he is. Still, 26 is young. And Yuri Thielman's uh, with an assist. Yeah, Lester still good, I think, personally. Personally, I think they're going to make top six. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have a talented squad. I don't really see why not, unless like the wheels really come off this thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Um, they seem to be just sort of struggling for form at the moment. And I don't know. I mean, I would say given their track record with this team that they should be able to turn it around. Some interesting developments early on in the season for them because Kelechi Iannaccio, who was featuring quite a bit at the end of last season, really hasn't shown up a lot yep. for them. And I thought he finished last season quite strong. So it's interesting. Uh, they also signed Daka, who is probably, you know, he's competing with him for those substitute minutes, I guess, when Vardy's coming off. So You can make the same case for Kaglar Soyuncu. Had a great season last year, and he's kind of been misfiring. Yeah. Euros must have really messed with him, I think. Yeah, it seems like that's that's a bit of a there's a bit of a Euros hangover. Especially for Turkey. Mm-mm. <laughs> they overcooked that. Yeah. <laughs> and Lester also had uh you know, the start of the season was sort of rough for them. They had like a rash of injuries in their defense. They had to sign Yannick oh. Vestergaard quickly. And he got injured. Yeah. He literally he got, got injured. Then yeah. he got injured, yeah. And unfortunately gave away the penalty today. So yeah, I mean I think you know, they probably just have to find some cohesion and, and uh, you know, just start trying to string together some performances. So, For Leicester, just some quick notes. Iosi Perez suspended with the red card from this game. Wesley Fafana, Mendy, Johnny Evans, and James Justin out with injuries. So, um, Most of our defense. Don't? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I think better things to come. Thank you.
Jacob, let's talk some Champions League soccer, baby. European Knights. The champions. Around the continent. (laughs) We had a full slate of Champions League fixtures to inject straight into your brains. Boy, oh boy, Blair, what were they? Yeah, so uh, some of the biggest uh, lads in Europe clashing in dramatic fashion jacob i'm very bad at headlines in the moment um we had inter versus madrid we had Bayern versus barcelona we had uh we had milan versus liverpool uh we had club bruges bruges versus psg club bruges if you haven't heard of it is club bruges um we had (laughs) if you haven't heard that's their name (laughs) yeah so, yeah, we had a lot of great games. Oh, wait, hang on. Just a shout-out to Sheriff. Yes. Uh, beating Shakhtar. Amazing. Yeah. Sheriff. Uh, the Moldovan team? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 They they, <laughs> they brought their Spurs and their six-shooters. Yeah, they're not they're not Spurs, um, but, like, they're, yeah. they're spiked boots. Unlike Spurs, they're in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but absolute madness and scenes from the the two days of fixtures that we had. I'm going to spit off a few facts for you. Yeah, I'd love to hear some. All right. So on the uh, opening week, we had six red cards from the uh, totality of the matches. Oh, boy. (laughs) Six red cards. That's that's wild to me. That Uh, is a lot of red cards. It's a lot of red cards. There were four goals scored off of penalties. There were a ton of penalties awarded in the Sevilla Salzburg match. There were four penalties awarded alone, uh, two of which were converted and ended one-one, which is uh, pretty funny. I like this last stat. I mean, this uh, this, yeah, this last stat you've got here. Can you tell me that one? The uh, Wednesday stat. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, on the Wednesday games, four of them finished with uh, four of the eight finished with three plus goals. Uh, there was the City Red Bull Leipzig game that ended with nine total goals. Nine. Yes. That's one every ten minutes. Yeah. That's City so many. Scored six. Leipzig scored three off of Christopher and Kunku, who we've talked about earlier mm. and in previous episodes, who had a hat trick, crazy game. I think that also had a red card to Angelino, I think, for Red Bull Leipzig went off in that game. Just really, really strange. Let's see. Sporting versus Ajax. There were six total goals. I believe Ajax had a player that scored, if not a hat trick. They might have been might have scored four goals. I can't quite recall. I was think it, it was Sebastian five Hilaire? to one. Yeah. Ajax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the Liverpool Milan game uh, had five goals. So yeah, always, yeah. We we won't AC Milan. That is yes, not Inter. Uh, we won't talk about Liverpool Milan because uh, we're trying to stray away from Liverpool or Arsenal this episode because we do talk about them a lot. A lot, yeah. And but uh, a great fixture that has returned to Europe. I think everyone. Uh, and I, I mean, everyone is excited about that. Uh, but it, it's cool because not all the goals were from Manchester City uh, in the Manchester City RB Leipzig game. It was like six to three. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. And then like Nkunku. Yeah. Great funny, player. fun, fun, funny. I say fun name to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My words are just <laughs> scrambled. It's because I'm so excited about the Champions League, because, about European soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Blair, we're going to talk about two of the Champions League games. It's the two we told you about earlier, the ones to watch. Did you do your homework? Did you watch them? Did you watch them? Did you watch them? There's going to be a book report on this. And by, <laughs> did you read the Champions League? Game? <laughs> uh, there's going to be a quiz. Uh, uh, credit, no credit. It's fine. Um, <laughs> 
Could you do enter Madrid, please? Okay, so Jacob, we just talked about some fun facts from the week, from the two games, uh, two match days. And of the two games that we recommended to watch, uh, there was the Bayern-Barcelona game that ended 3-0. And there was the Inter-Milan-Real Madrid game that ended 1-0. So Now, you watched the Inter-Madrid game, and I I watched the Barca-Bayern game. Yeah, I think I might have watched one of the three most boring <laughs> games that happened this okay, week. Okay, why is that? In the Champions League. What happened? I mean, the scoreline was 1-0. Um, Inter basically dominated the first half against Real. They produced 14 of their 18 shots in the first half. No goals, uh, which was a bit unfortunate for them. And, yeah, I mean, it was just like both teams were just kind of... They were out there, man. You know, uh, I wasn't uh, super impressed with either of them. Obviously, Real were kind of on the back foot in the first half, um, and they came out a lot better in the second half. They ended up scoring the game-winning goal. Um, in the dying minutes, right? Yeah, it was the 79th minute. Uh, not even the dying minute, yeah. Yeah, so Eduardo Camavinga came on. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I uh, mistyped. It was the 89th minute. So it was the dying minutes, Jacob. Mm. Uh, but Eduardo... Eduardo Camavinga came on for Modric. Eduardo. <laughs> yeah. Um, who is a very interesting uh, figure, Camavinga, that is. Uh, Fun, exciting, prospect. Yeah, he 18 plays year old. for the worst team. Yeah, he plays for Real. So, you know, came out of the French League. Very interesting backstory. I recommend you look into him. He's someone to why, root for. Why don't opinion. you tell me? Because I actually don't know his backstory. Okay, so I believe he was born in Angola in a refugee camp to Congolese parents. They moved to France when he was young. They had their house burned down. Jeez. Uh, he got into soccer, and, you know, he's been rising in the ranks. I think he was playing for Rennes last year. Fire soccer as one transitions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and basically the story goes that their house burns down, and the father kind of looks at Eduardo and says, you're our only hope now. <laughs> yeah. No pressure, So no pressure, kid. dude. Yeah. yeah. So really, really dramatic backstory you mentioned that modric has something similar jacob i believe oh yeah no okay we don't have to talk about luka modric but interesting uh, that kamavinga comes on for modric both interesting players um did it wait that's kind of poetic yeah exactly and yeah so there was a nice play towards the end of the game uh kamavinga found a cross to rodrigo who just volleyed it from the six and put it in the back of the net so yeah um Real kind of found their sea legs, I guess. I keep saying that in this podcast. I don't know why. I that is the say first that. time I've heard you say that. It's the second time I've said it, I think, in the podcast. But yeah, I'm glad you didn't hear okay. it the first time. Well, Mr. Sailor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Real take the points. They're happy with that, I'm sure. Um, some interesting things from the game that I noticed. Uh, I was very curious how the Jekko partnership with Latara Martinez would go. And. I was very impressed with Martinez's uh, ability to sort of lead the break. He does a great job linking up with his teammates. He makes him makes himself a target kind of in the middle of the field and does a good job of kind of distributing to uh, teammates into space. And not only does he do, do that, he kind of sort of starts the break. He hustles, like he works really hard. And I noticed there's at least one play in particular where he kind of gathers the ball, the center circle, um, passes it off to a teammate, and then he finishes the play by sprinting all the way to the uh, opponent's box and getting a pretty decent headed chance. So, you know, a a lot of work rate from him. Uh, I was pretty impressed with what I saw out of him. 
Jekko is a massive target in the box. He's and, a big guy. Yeah, and I have been expressing my skepticism of him, given that he is old. 35, 36. Yeah, he's old. And I thought, you know, I mean, going from Lukaku to Jekko, it's like going from uh, a Lamborghini to a Camry. Um, oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> at least that was my uh, feeling on it. And no, I mean, Jekko, he's uh, an interesting player. He's, he doesn't move very quickly, but... In the box, he's a huge target for headers. Um, he had a pretty solid chance off of a header that I thought Courtois did a good job to save. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see that there's some possibility there. Um, also, Skriniar uh, for Inter, he like, I don't know, man, he gets forward like pretty far for them. Uh, he had a couple of chances in the box off of, I think, corners. So, I mean, you know, he's another person they might be targeting, but yeah, it was kind of strange to see one of their central defenders getting so far forward for... Yeah, sometimes you get that. Uh, I don't... Going back to Real, uh, Ramos did that a lot. Yeah. And he was kind of like a wild card in that sense. But that's... that's. Uh, it sounded like there was... See, the way you're describing it, it sounded way more exciting than when you started this. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there was there were some things that interested me. I don't know if it was that exciting. You know... I was certainly kind of like keeping an eye on the other fixtures and feeling left out because there was so much cool shit happening in them. Mm. So maybe that was kind of playing into it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the first half, it was just kind of like all inter and they seemed to be able to do everything but score. So, you know, that was kind of like, well, okay. And then, you know, Real come out and, you know, the second half is more of theirs, I would say. Something else I noticed from the game was that Simone Inzaghi, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, was a lot more proactive with his substitutes than Carlo Ancelotti was, Inzaghi being the manager of Inter Milan. He started making his subs in the 55th minute. He brought on two players, Enzel Dumfries and Federico DeMarco. Brought on two more players in the 65th minute, Arturo Vidal and Joaquin Correa. So definitely changing some things up pretty early. He brought off Lataro and uh, Hakan uh, Kalinoglu. Um, in the 65th minute, so kind of changing some of his attacking options. And Ancelotti didn't really start making changes until the 65th minute. Inter had four subs before Real made the first. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is, I'm a fan of the early sub, but you, you know, I mean, Ancelotti is kind of a proven manager, so maybe, maybe he knows something. Maybe he knows a little more than I do. Yeah, and probably I, not. I think a change in the 65th minute still like that's early it, enough to it, make an impact. Yeah, it's better than some managers. Looking at you, Greg. <laughs> The one for me was Inter's sub, Denzel Dumfries came on, and he was bombing up the field quite a lot for them. So they mm -hmm. lined up in this 3-5-2 formation. Yeah. So Dumfries was the, the ring, the ring, the wing back, the um, ring one of the wing backs. The ring back. <laughs> and yeah, he got up the field quite a lot. He was making quite a lot, lot of uh, attacking runs, and he looked pretty promising for Inter, but I noticed that he had kind of issues with his touch. He was a bit loose on okay. the ball. A little loosey-goosey. So, yeah, Real take the take the points. Inter maybe deserve to get something more out of it than zero goals, but hey, what can you do? Heartbreak. But if you're going to lose to a team, at least make sure it's to a big one. Yeah. Because they, I think, I think uh, from this result, they might end up second in the group, which is fine. Yeah. Because I think the bigger thing for Inter at this point is not to do well in the Champions League. It's just to qualify for the knockout rounds for that sweet, sweet cash. Yes. Oh, uh, absolutely. I'll talk about Barcelona against Bayern. You didn't watch this. 
Did you? I didn't see it, no. Okay. I'm sure you saw people talking about it. It was, I think, probably more exciting than Interreal um, because they were more goals. And more goals equals more exciting. Yes. Barcelona, they were at home in this. They faced Bayern Munich. And we said last week that Barcelona were going to be the underdogs in this competition. And we were right because they lost and they did not look in control during a single minute of this game. Ooh, I'm looking at some of these numbers now. Yep. Yikes. And so Ronald Koeman is a Dutch manager that is uh, trying to rebuild this team, uh, Barcelona that is, after the departure of one Lino Messi and a couple of other superstars in the past couple of years. And so he's doing this around a young core of players, notably uh, Frankie de Jong, um, Ansu Fati, and Pedri. And this is something that is certainly a work in progress. And so we, we come uh, with a bit of a three, five, two, three, four, two, one, whatever you want to call it, formation, depending on what, what stage of the game you're in. But the biggest thing, I think, in terms of the difference in quality between this team was that Luke de Jong was this A starting striker for this Barcelona side. He is a recent signing from Sevilla. And he's decent, but he's not the kind of quality that Barcelona need to be signing. They signed him this year, and I think that is exactly a showcase of the problems happening at Barcelona. There is a catastrophe of front office management, something that we have said over and over, I think, when talking about Barcelona. So I will move on to the part where I talk about Bayern just beating the ever-loving shit out of Barcelona. It was three goals, two from Robert Lewandowski and one from Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller scored the first goal, and it was a deflection, and it should not have gone in. I think Ter Stegen had the ball saved, but it went the other direction. It went in, and from that point onward, um, that was it. There was, uh, I mean, like, Bayern looked in control, like, literally the entire game, uh, and they weren't even playing supremely well it was just barcelona were not able to create anything it turned into barcelona playing long ball barcelona playing long ball yeah barcelona are this historic team that are just known for fluidity of soccer right they it's just quick passes moving all around interchangeable positions a dutch style and a spanish style commingling into something that was dominant for so many years and now they are on the back foot uh bayern were able to just control the game as they pleased and they did not look at all threatened this entire time i would like to highlight some players that you can keep your eye on in the future. Dio Upamecano is a recent signing. He he was in control of the defense the entire time. He was incredibly quick. Anytime that Barcelona were trying to play upfield, he was able to snatch it out of the player's uh, feet and redirect it to another player. I am not kidding when I say Neuer had nothing to do this game. I know you're not kidding, Jacob, because there were zero shots on target from Barcelona of the five that they took. Yeah, he all he did was gather up the ball sometimes and pass it back out and let Bayern, the rest of the outfield, do their thing. Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka are a fantastic duo in the midfield that I don't think will need replacing uh, at all at any point soon since Leon Goretzka recently signed. 
an extension with Munich. They were feeding up to Thomas Muller, who would then feed out to one of Jamal Musiala, a young talent that we've talked about, and Leroy Zane, and then that would then go up to Robert Lewandowski, who poached twice from inside the box. These goals, they weren't they weren't a result of, you know, playing around Barcelona, beating them on a run or a fantastic shot. They were literally from them being inside the box so long, a deflection would come off a defender at some point, fall to Robert, and then he would just bang it in. Um, it wasn't like something that this Bayern Munich masterclass, it was just Barcelona crumbling before our eyes. I mean, I'm going to, I'm looking at these names right now. Sergio Busquets is no longer able to put in a full 90. That's not like a bad thing because he's older now, but that's, uh, they're still relying on him as a starting player. The same thing can be said for Jordi Alba. He looked diminished. He is older. Both of them have taken pay cuts, but they're they're just not the players they used to be, and that's fine. This is a natural thing, but now Barcelona need to think about replacing these two. You could see the frustration in Frank de Jong's actions during the game. Uh, he was very moody the entire time, probably because he saw his players not defending like they should be. And Ronald Koeman is trying to work around this with the young players. The most threatening player, ironically, this game was Philippe Coutinho. Ah, the substitute and former Bayern man. He was yes. loaned from Barcelona and was part of that famous 8-2 result when Bayern came to Barcelona. I mean, Bayern faced Barcelona in the, the pandemic bowl, essentially. And uh, he was on the receiving end this time. And it was funny after the game. <laughs> it's kind of like a very German thing, I think, but... Neuer was giving part of the post-game press conference, and he said, oh, yeah, they should rely on Philippe Coutinho more. He's very threatening. And I felt the most threatened when he was coming towards me. And it's kind of like a big insult because he's telling Barcelona, oh, you should play this guy, Ronald. He's quite good. You don't know how to do your job. Yeah. And it's all it was all quite good. So there's there's all you need to know right now. Personally, me, I think Bayern Munich are favorites for the Champions League this year. They look very, very good, even against... They've, they've recently played RB Leipzig, the arguable number two uh, team in the Bundesliga. They beat them 4-1, to one, and they've recently faced a uh, promoted side, VL... Da, 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 Bochum, and they beat them 7 to nothing. So <clears throat> they've had a string of very good results. They have a lot of great players. They have a lot of depth. I am going to go through their subs... Really quickly, Eric Maxim Chupo Moting, a fantastic second string striker. Mikhail Cousin, a great midfielder. Marcel Sabitzer, another fantastic midfielder. Lucas Hernandez, a third rotational defender. Mark Roca, he needs minutes, but he's uh, quite good on the ball. Serge Nabry, Kingsley Coman. I don't even need to say anything about those two. So I, I think they've got a very strong squad to go forward this year. I mean, we might be talking about a treble. I don't know. I, I don't want to go into too much hyperbole, but this was really a one-team show. And while Inter-Real might have been boring because it was one goal and not a lot happened all game, this was exciting because there were three goals, but it was boring because Bayern never looked threatened at all. Yeah, kind of an interesting thing here. I mean, you talk about the depth, the considerable depth that Barcelona, or not, sorry, uh, Bayern Munich have. Yeah. If you look at the substitutes that were brought on for Barcelona, Yusuf Demir, he is 18 years old. Gabby Paez, I've never heard of you. You're 17 years old. Um, Oscar Mengeza. Oscar Mengeza, he's yeah. 22. 
a lot of young players. And I mean, the guys on the bench that weren't brought on, uh, Serginho Dest, Ricky Puch. And so, like, th- these guys are younger. Umtiti, right? I guess, Umtiti. if you want to give him a shout. <laughs> Umtiti has his own problems, Barcelona. So it's just, it's Barcelona are in transition. I think people now have to be used to Barcelona as a team that is building again. Yeah. They have lost a bunch of players. They've made a lot of financially terrible decisions, and they are now paying the consequence for that. Are they permanently dethroned? Probably not. But it's going to be a tough road for the next while. Yeah, I think Barcelona, I mean, Barcelona's a club that has pull. And, you know, I mean, you've seen it with teams that are kind of struggling for form, kind of in a diminished state. Manchester United are kind of... I don't know, wallowing for a while. And they still have been able to bring in top talent, partly because they can afford to uh, pay them a lot of money. But Barcelona certainly have the pedigree, the history. You know, players, the good players are still going to want to go there. And hey, by the way, you get to live in Barcelona, which is pretty nice to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, who is to say which city is more attractive, Barcelona or Manchester? (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll see where they uh, end up. So here's the thing, guys. We're going to try to do, well... We're going to try to do a Champions League podcast. And when I say Champions League, I really mean European League because uh, there's the Europa League and there's the Europa Conference League um, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays of some weeks uh, while it's the group stages. And um, uh, usually, you know, we're pretty busy during the week. So uh, we're going to try and get that organized. We didn't do that this week because uh, we had to go to a concert. Maybe expect that we're going to try and work something out. So let's wrap up with France. (laughs) Yeah, so this week there was some big news out of France. They expelled a few American ambassadors after the U.S. signed a bilateral defense agreement with Australia. (laughs) We need to do that in uh, in the NPR voice. Basically what it means is that Australia will be buying... In France today, <laughs> the capital was under uh, siege. siege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's running? Who, who's so and so has announced her campaign for the French presidency, as Macron is incredibly unpopular. <laughs> Who is it? I don't remember. Oh, uh, Anne Hidalgo. Popular political analyst Anne Hidalgo. Mayor of uh, Paris. <clears throat> and when I say analyst, she's <laughs> analyzing her mayoral duties day in and day out. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, so there was a small riot. During the Lille-Lens game, there was a, a little bit of a fan riot. Lille were at Lens, and some fan violence occurred. Basically, the Lens supporters invaded the field and went to the away section so like they ran across the field at halftime uh so like all the players were off and they ran over and they were yelling at the leal fans and this instigated the leal fans who then came on to the field and basically there was a fight and they had to get riot police and like the other stewards um during the game to intervene and break them up and get the fans back to their little category seats and then uh, basically they had to sit down and say hey should we continue this game because that was some crazy shit yeah they keep doing this and this is not yeah this was uh this is 
after the was it Marseille? Uh, yeah, it was Marseille versus. Oh, it's gonna escape me at the moment. I'll find it, Jacob. Nice. Using, n- yes, Nice, Marseille, Marseille. We're at Nice, and it was suspended because uh, there were some bottles thrown at Dimitri Payet. And then the fans came onto the field because Dimitri Payet was responded like he, he might he might not have been the smartest thing, but it's understandable because he's being disrespected on the field. I think it was actually uh, Ganduzi that threw the bottle back into the stands. Oh, right. Payet got hit with something. Yeah, but didn't but he like yell back? Was what I'm saying. I think he did as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of uh, a lot of fan involvement to put it lightly in the games. Yeah, we have. I don't have any analysis of this. I thought it was just crazy because France has been popping off. Yeah, I mean, this is the third time this has happened. There's another game, I think, also involving Marseille, where there were projectiles thrown on the field. We saw this too in the Gold Cup. I want to say uh, uh, no. This was in the World Cup qualifiers, right? Oh, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in Denver. Uh, yeah, in Las Vegas. Or was it the Concacaf final? It was the Concacaf final. Yeah, because yeah. it it was that picture like. Christian Pulisic scored, and then they threw a bunch of stuff at him, and Giovanni Reina got hit with a bottle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, soccer can be crazy sometimes. Yeah, a lot of unruly fans. Seems like people are still trying to figure out how to go back into public. I mean, same. Yeah. Same, but maybe, you know, resist the urge to beat people that are simply playing a game. Have the good sense to not fight strangers over a game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty minimal. Yeah, on the request. Uh, I was going to talk about PSG Leon if Messi scored, but he didn't, so I don't care. The end one one. It ended two one. Mario Cardi scored in the ninety third minute. Jeez. <laughs> the point is PSG need some WD forty on the gears because they're not clicking. And, yeah. I mean, isn't this always the case with any sports discussion where if you assemble a bunch of superstars, they don't always necessarily perform together well? Yeah, or just maybe. Not right away. The Miami Heat were kind of a classic example of that, where they took a couple of, really a couple of seasons to sort of gel and get it right. It's not really easy for people, players to come together where you have a team that assembled uh, based off of players who kind of understand their role and play a certain role. And when you build a team around superstars, their role is to be like the focus of attention on the ball. Yep. And so when you have multiple superstars, they need to figure out how to play together. So Especially since Neymar has evolved from this flashy winger to a much more deep-lying playmaker for PSG because he's, well, he was facilitating for Mbappe or Icardi or Maria. So, yeah, I think it's weird. It might be weird for Neymar to kind of shift back maybe because obviously if, if you're going to pick between the two, Messi is going to be the deep-lying guy, the quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's nothing else to add there. You can reach us at, on Twitter. Blair runs the Twitter most of the time, so you'll probably, you'll, he'll probably see it. Uh, Blair, what's our handle? At the Plastics Pod, capital T for the, capital P for Plastics, capital P for Pod. Beautiful, and we have good content, and I think we're still, I'm still learning the Twitter game, so you'll have to forgive me, but I think we do good content, and Maddie produces great content for our Instagram, which is Plastics Podcast, and we've got infographics there on all our new episodes. Um, Anything that happens during the week that might be notable, we post about, 
Um, and it's just another thing for you to follow and like and validate us. Yeah, reach out. Say something to us. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell and, us what we're doing right. And lastly, if you have questions, if you want us to talk about something, uh, I'm more than happy to devote a segment to a topic or a player or a team or a league, whatever. If you email us at plasticspodcontact at gmail.com, fucking, you know, we'll, we'll do something. I don't know. Yeah, send us an email. Yeah, like, rate, subscribe on any platform to us if you want to hear us more um, so that we can have more fans. <laughs> no, no, so that, so that we can, um, so that we actually know. Because if you, if the more you interact with us, the more we'll interact with you. So uh, as long as you follow us, as long as you email us or like or comment, we can get a sense of what people want to hear. Because right now, I'm trying to focus, and Blair's trying to focus on uh, the Premier League, Blair. Yes. Um, European stuff that's interesting. Yep. And the U.S. national team when they play, yes. men's or women's. It's And, and if, if something else is sparking the brain, I know someone wanted to talk about wolves. We talked about wolves a lot, Cam. So I hope you listen to this one. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, that'll wrap it up. Uh, Blair, anything else? Nothing for me. Great. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, and we'll see you midweek the week after when European nights happen once again. Yeah. See you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. My chicken can't for